Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor. On today's show, I flip-flop the order of operations a little bit and speak with somebody who I think most closely aligns with Authentic Influence so far on this show, perhaps with little exception. But first, why don't I tell you what I mean by that? This show is all about showcasing how some of the most interesting or innovative or quickly growing or exciting brands of today mobilize their masses to become more authentic. And today, I'm speaking with Dana Marino. She's the Chief Marketing Officer of Rakuten Rewards. Now, you might not know what Rakuten is. You might be familiar with their predecessor, Ebates. But what Dana is doing, just a few short weeks into her tenure, is leading the brand as they lead the charge into cash back. And of course, we'll talk all about what Rakuten Rewards is all about on the show. But what I really appreciated are a couple of her philosophies, including stances on solving, not selling, as well as a description of influencer in both the uppercase I and lowercase I instance. This was something that I suggested to her and something which she in turn had a few layers to suggest to me. And that happens in the first third of the interview. So I'd pay really close attention to that. Of course, there's also a couple of great book suggestions as well as general advice on how to build a more authentic brand. And I say flip-flop the order of operations because we do that right up front this time. So in listening through this interview, if you like the new format and sequence, let me know and I'll try to incorporate that more. But that's self-serving. Now let's serve you with today's podcast. This is, without further ado, from Rakuten Rewards, Dana Marino. All right, everybody. I'm here with Dana Marino, the CMO of Rakuten Rewards. Super excited for this one. Dana, how are you? Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me, Adam. It's wonderful to talk to you because you have a lot of different experiences that involve possibly activating different types of people. I'll, I'll get into that in a second. Listeners, you may understand what I mean via the intro to this show. But as I do with everybody, I know this is a relatively new part of your career and you've had an illustrious journey to this point. And I want to learn about that journey to this point. So what led you to Rakuten and, and why Rakuten at this point in time? Well, that's a fun question. You know, I think the, the journey, um, the through line for me is really around storytelling. I, I, you know, someone asked me the other day what I wanted to be when I grew up and you know, what I really wanted to be was a news anchor. I sort of worshipped those, Ooh, me too. Yeah, those 80s female news anchors, Diane Sawyer and Barbara Walters and Connie Chung. And I just, I begged my mom every night to let me stay up for the news, the nightly news. And it just it was like the single source of truth. And I really loved that. And I really believed I wanted to be in journalism and I wanted to be a news anchor because of the storytelling aspect. I just loved that. And, you know, my first real job after uh, college, I went to Duke, um, was EA, Electronic Arts, which, you know, I hope many of you know as a video game company. I know it well, yep. Yes, uh, I'm sure you played Madden and FIFA and Need for Speed and all my favorite games. Um, you know, I grew up in the sports business uh, at EA and, you know, in 1998, I left college and it was sort of the height of that dot-com crazy tech period. And I really just loved the intersection of sports and technology, which is what led me to EA Sports. And I just completely fell in love with brand and advertising and storytelling. And it was sort of all that stuff I loved about um being a news anchor, but for me, the better part was behind the camera, right? I just loved the storytelling aspect, but not having to go on television every night, right? So I quite loved that idea of 
solving business problems with creative and with storytelling. And so that's what led me to EA. And, you know, I spent 16 years there. So almost, you know, my half my life at the time and most of much of my career. And I just love that concept of inspiring and motivating people, consumers to take an action on whatever brand I'm working on, whether that's a video game brand or a financial brand. And now, of course, in e-commerce at Rakuten. So I just, I love balancing, um, you know, sort of what our business need is with what is, I would call human truth. And that's sort of the storytelling aspect. So I'd say storytelling is sort of the through line journey of my career between EA. And then of course I spent three years at Credit Karma, um, you know, transforming what I would call a credit score company into a financial progress company. Very proud of that. Um, and now, you know, I've been at Rakuten about five weeks now and I just love it. And it's the same thing. I get to tell incredible stories to our members to help them save money and uh, to really help them understand what this cash back can mean to them. So with EA, you join sort of right right in the midst of this of this hype around the, the, the Internet generally. And of course, gaming became important. And then at Credit Karma, you take a credit score company and turn them into financial progress. So what what new challenges do you predict, or maybe that you're already aware that await you now at Rakuten, now that you're here, now that you're five weeks in? I know it's early, but I'm guessing somewhere up in the clouds there, there's an idea. Yes, for sure. I mean, Rakuten um, is so extraordinary. I, I would just say, you know, if people don't know, the very meaning of the word uh, in Japanese is optimism, right? So, and one thing, particularly right now during what is a very challenging time in all of our lives in 2020 is optimism is what people need right now. And what I loved and what attracted me to Rakuten is we put our members at the center of everything we do. And I just love that and really fell in love with that concept and feel really passionately about teaching and educating people about what Rakuten is, how we can help why this concept of giving cash back and rewarding our members um, is so powerful and so meaningful. And so to answer your question, the challenge, of course, is people have heard of Rakuten. People see the word Rakuten on the Warriors jersey. If you watch basketball, they've seen it before on the Barcelona jersey. If you watch football, uh, you know, European football. And unfortunately, yet people don't yet exactly know what Rakuten is. Maybe they shop at one or two stores. Maybe they understand the concept of cash back, but they don't yet understand the power of, we have over 3000 merchants. Where you are shopping anyway, we can give you cash back on that shopping experience. And so we have already given over $2 billion in cash back, paid back to our members. The story is incredible. We just need to start telling it. So my number one challenge right now is just understanding where the brand is, understanding awareness, understanding consideration, and helping people see the real meaning behind it. Interesting. Well, that is, I mean, obviously a huge challenge and a fantastic opportunity as well. And yeah, uh, folks, Rakuten, you may not know the the word, but it's, a, it's an enormous organization. And you, you might know the word that preceded Rakuten Rewards, which is Ebates. But anyway, we'll, we'll talk about what the business that you're doing means for uh, regular folks just like me, everyday consumers, uh, and what that means for authenticity in just a second. The first thing that I want to do is kind of flip-flop what I normally do. Now, listeners, you might be shook here, but this is going to be what is normally the round-out question, okay? But I want to start here because you have such varied experience with 
like I said, uh, everyday individuals in the way you market and also folks on the other side, people with huge audiences. And I want to trickle into that meaning of influencer with capital I and lowercase i and Listeners, I'll even explain what I'm talking about there in a second. But I want to level set first because as I understand it, you have some particularly interesting advice on how to become more authentic in messaging broadly. I think it'll dovetail nicely into a conversation about leadership and then how everything flows. So if you don't mind testing this with me, I would like to turn this upside down a little bit and start with that. Up front, what are some of the best pieces of advice that either you've learned over the years or that you'd like to share now on how to become more authentic, however you describe and define that word. Yeah, I love that. And thanks for using me as a guinea pig out of my chair. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, so I, I love the word authenticity, actually. And I think it becomes really meaningful for me personally as a leader, which we can talk about in a minute, and then as a brand and how brands can come off as most authentic to members, consumers, players, whatever it is you consider. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, I actually think right now is a really fascinating time to talk about brand authenticity because COVID, coronavirus and COVID and what, uh, what has happened in our market um, has forced brands to think differently. And to your point, authenticity becomes the difference between success and failure. And so right now, I think is a really interesting time to think through every decision, every choice um, as it relates to marketing and talking to our consumers, to our members at Rackerson specifically, and being thoughtful and being choiceful and really listening to what consumers need um, versus what you think they need or what you think you want them to need. It's a really different reframe. And the way I've been talking about it with the team is this idea of solving, not selling. Because this is not a moment in time where selling is appropriate. Right now, the best thing we can do for our members and for customers of any kind is to solve the problems they have. And that really takes a keen self-awareness of a leadership team and of a brand. And knowing when is the right moment to offer up something to a consumer, to a member, knowing that it is important for them and will be uh, meaningful for them, not just that you want them to buy something. And that is a really hard thing for some brands and for some companies to see the difference there. I think it is too. And this is probably coming uh, as a bit of a, as a rude awakening to some of those folks, but I'm glad that you have that, that paradigm in focus. And in talking about solving, not selling, I'm curious if stemming from that, I mean, that's something that you've learned over the years doing what people need, not necessarily what they want, and perhaps they're aligned, perhaps they're not. I'm curious as to how this has helped you grow into leadership and likewise, what you believe creates world-class leadership alongside this mentality. Because obviously it's gotta be something you employ in your day-to-day. -day. It's probably something, what you've just told me, it's something you seek to foster in the people that you hold closest to you, either in previous tenures or now at Rakuten. So I guess I'm curious, what are some of the guiding principles you think that serve as a foundation for solving, not selling, serve as a foundation for give what they need yeah. um, that might maybe are the building blocks. I'm, I'm interested in your take. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, a part of authenticity uh, is this concept of one of the things I talk about all the time about great brands is brands that have a point of view 
and brands that stand for something and they stick behind their values. And I think that's true for both a brand and a company, and it can be true for leadership and leadership teams. So, you know, one of the things that I um, am really passionate about is around this concept and back to authenticity, which is, you know, what you like to talk about is this idea around radical candor. I don't know, Adam, if you've read, there's a book out um, called Radical Candor. It's by a woman named Kim Scott, who used to work at Google. And this book actually really changed me. Um, and has, I have given it to almost everyone I know in the work capacity of, you know, my leadership team, the leadership bench, other people I've worked with, because I really think it speaks to not only how to build great teams and how to be a great leader, but to your point about being authentic to yourself and to your teams and to your company. And all radical candor is really about is building trust and creating relationships based in trust such that you can give clear and concise and specific feedback. And that to me is authenticity at its core. When you give sincere feedback, whether it's telling someone they've done a great job or telling someone um, they could do something better, when it's based in trust and it's based in a trusting relationship and you are as authentic as you can be, that is how you have great leadership and how you build great teams. And the same can be said for brands. When you build trust with your consumers, with your members, with your players, whatever you call them, they, and you are your most authentic self as a leader or as a company, they will want to be in your ecosystem and part of what you have to say, and they will want to hear from you. So my, my entire leadership philosophy is around this concept of being authentic to yourself and therefore authentic to your teams. That idea of radical candor, and I'm sure some of these listeners were nodding along as you said that, probably have read that book. I I personally have not read that book. I need to get my hands on that book, actually. Uh, That is a fantastic uh, way to, to frame it and to think about it. Um, now not having read the book, I'm not, I, I can't yet relate. However, I can relate to the other aspects of what you talk about. And, and yes, of course it all flows into, uh, that delightful a word, which I hold so dear as a result of this show. Um, let me ask then how that, uh, you know, mindset that has led you to this world-class leadership over time, how that trickles into the way that you work with influencers. And I'm going to use that word in two different cases. And again, this is something that I haven't yet done this on the show, but it's something that I've just been like, it's just been percolating in my head. All right. The uppercase I of influencer, something that, you know, maybe you were working with at EA, right? Gamers and nowadays have become like the biggest ones have become huge influencers, capital Y, millions of followers. Um, They're doing all sorts of crazy stuff, brand partnerships, and, uh, and that serves for fantastic awareness. And Regular folks like me, you know, I, uh, I played some FIFA titles and um, by no means a pro, but I can certainly be a lowercase I influencer with the friends that I play with. Um, I might have uh, 10 followers, but those followers might do what I say because they're close to me and they take advice and recommendations well. These are both undeniably pieces of the marketing puzzle for anyone. And it seems like maybe that lowercase I might, might have helped with something like a credit karma where you were genuinely taking from just get your credit score to unlock financial progress. What are the benefits and the drawbacks to both? I'm, I'm curious. Um, 
I'm guessing some provide benefits that the others don't, but then there's a ring of truth that maybe exists with one and not the other. Again, this is new to me, but you've seen both sides. So could you help me a little bit with that? Yeah, actually, I really love your capital I, lowercase I concept. Um, although let's make sure that the capital I doesn't mean more important because certainly, you know, what you're referring to as lowercase I is equally, if not more important. So I, but I really love that construct. So Adam, I think I'm going to take that with me if that's okay. That's a good build. I'm going to take your importance metric with me too. That's great. <laughs> good. good, good. So yeah, I mean, certainly using your capital I influencer, EA Sports um, was pro is probably the place I can talk about that most, you know, interestingly, because um, one thing I, I haven't mentioned yet is a core tenant of EA Sports, the brand, is authenticity. And that is uh, where we created the tagline, for lack of a better word, if it's in the game, it's in the game. And so I would ask you, when it comes to influencers, who better to speak authentically and intelligently about what's in the game than athletes from the real field, from the court, from the pitch, whatever, you know, whatever sport you love, who better to talk about the game if we are saying it is as good as the real thing than those athletes? Aaron Rodgers and Ray Lewis and Marshall Falk in the NFL and Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo, whatever your sport is, they are the most credible to talk about what is authentic in the game. And it is very magical, I will tell you, when a very famous, at revered athlete says, I play on the field and then I go and play Madden or I play in the court and then I go play NBA Live. And it is as real and as authentic and as competitive as the real thing. So that's a place I have used influencers, particularly athletes and celebrities who have true credibility and your buzzword authenticity in what they're saying. So when they say, hey, this is what it feels like when um, the clock is down to three seconds and I want to shoot a buzzer beater, this is what it feels like. Go feel it yourself. That feels amazing. And influencers are incredible for that. The capital I. Right. For sure. That is something yep. which, you know, when I think about authenticity, it sometimes can be seen as a reflection of values or operationally. And obviously that's, that's an operational piece of authenticity there. It's got to be in the game if it is in fact in the game. When you transitioned to credit karma, I can't think of too many big million follower type names that were equally as passionate about their credit score as they were about playing a game. Did the lowercase I become a bigger slice during that time? Oh, yes. And that's not to suggest lowercase I influencers were not equally important. Oh, sure. Certainly true, but you are exactly right. At Credit Karma, and I will say also at Rakuten, the lowercase I, the everyday person, actually becomes a tremendously important part of our marketing mix. And I'll use Credit Karma and Rakuten to tell you, you know, there is nothing more powerful when it comes to Rakuten. When someone says, oh my God, I love cash back, right? There's this concept you, you feel obligated to tell your friends. You want to tell your friends. You want to be the person who gives advice, who's in the know, who's the helper. When you buy, you know, for example, dog food, as I do all the time on Rakuten, I buy, I two, you know, two dogs and I buy dog food. And let's say I spend a hundred dollars on dog food. And then I get a percentage of that cash back in my Rakuten account. And I know all my friends have dogs and they all have to buy dog food and dog crate and dog toys. Why wouldn't I tell them to do this? They have to buy it anyway. Why wouldn't they get cash back? And why wouldn't I want to tell them how amazing it feels to get that cash back? So 
influencers play a huge role with Rakuten because it just feels so good when you buy things you have to buy anyway to get cash back. And same with Credit Karma, the concept of, you know, Ken Lin, the founder of Credit Karma, founded the company because it didn't feel right that banks and other financial institutions had our financial data. And the only way for us to access it, any, any regular person, was to pay $29 a month. He didn't think that was fair and wanted to give access to that for free. And so back then when he was founding the company, the concept of, hey, I'm trying to get an, my first apartment. Hey, I'm trying to lease my first car. Hey, I'm trying to get a mortgage and I need access to my credit score. And by the way, I did it and it was for free. Look what Credit Karma did for me and helped me get my first apartment. That feels amazing and you want to tell your friends, you want to share that. So I have on both sides, the big eye, the, the small eye, influencer marketing becomes a really critical part of, of, of awareness of your brand and the more importantly, the love and brand love of your company. Right. I was, I was going to ask, and I think you just, you just hinted at it a little bit. I mean, being relatively new into this particular tenure, I was wondering how you might foresee Rakuten doing this, but that's the story right there is capturing more stories like yours, you know, and figuring out ways to build systems around finding out how to leverage that at scale, you know, that bring that lowercase I forward. And, and obviously I'm sure that there's, I'm sure there's areas for both. Um, regardless, ways to enhance the individual journey with the brand. Again, we'll bring you closer and exactly with what Rakuten stands for, uh, to authenticity, to have a optimistic and positive relationship and one that is personalized, one that's one-to-one. -one. This is where I want to go next. Um, because over time you've, you've been, you know, in your career many, many years. And that idea of this idea of one-to-one -one relationships, sometimes you hear first party data, sometimes you hear personalization, sometimes you hear, well, that's mostly what I hear, but I'm curious <laughs> from you how that's grown in importance over time. And maybe now that you're in Rakuten, which I'm guessing prioritizes it greatly, how you think you're yeah. well positioned to take advantage of that growing importance, if in fact it has grown? Yeah, it, it's a great question. And, you know, I would say about personalization, it is just an expectation now. I remember- yeah, It's like you know, table stakes, right? I mean, I would assume. Exactly. I, I remember 10 years ago when personalization first became a buzzword we were all talking about. And I remember thinking- oh my gosh, how are we going to do that? You know, EA has so many players. We have so many games. How can we possibly have the technology um, and the scale to be able to pull something like that off? And, you know, here we are a decade later. And now it is just to your, use your word, it is table stakes. We, all consumers expect brands to know them. Now there is literally nothing worse than getting a generic or irrelevant email. It actually is such a turnoff uh, to all of us. And, you know, back to my dog food example, um, I have clearly purchased a lot, you know, many dog toys, lots of dog food, dog treats, you know, whatever it is. Rakuten knows I don't have a cat. I have a dog, right? So if I'm going to get an email um, about cats or even about pet food, that would annoy me, right? In fact, I should be getting an email that says, hey, you bought, you last bought dog food two months ago. Do you need more? Let us give you extra cash back on that. Or, hey, it seems like you have a puppy. Do you need a dog crate? Like you need, the cash back concept is on things you were buying anyway. So all we're really doing is actually giving you a personalized experience and convenient experience on something you are buying anyway. And the personalization aspect 
I, I almost don't even want to call it that anymore because it is just expected. Right. I wonder what we should call it then. We'll have to figure out a name for that. I know. But, I'm not sure. It's just an expectation. It's it's no longer a buzzword. Right. Right. You're thinking like if you, so if somebody asks, maybe, you know, if I, I ask a question, well, I, you know, has personalization grown importance is like, um, was it not <laughs> at some point, which I guess 10 years ago, maybe it was less, but, um, you know, there are, sure. There are some brands who are still reliant on what I would call, um, traditional marketing vehicles that aren't as personalized. And my philosophy is you need all of those things, right? You need the television, you need the outdoor, you need the personalized email, you need the personalized Facebook ads, you need all of that to have a well-rounded marketing campaign to talk to people in as many different places as they are and give them different messages depending on where they are. So you need all those things. It's just the personalization aspect is one that is now expected in certain media. Right, exactly. I'm right. I'm right there with you because you're right. There are so many not not just different experiences that folks can have with the brand at any certain point. I mean, how many touch points are there? Like like a bunch that any individual could have, even with Rakuten, but with with any brand. And within that, just like you said, you don't want to get an email about any other type of pet food or just pet food generally. You want somebody to know that you are a fan of this type of dog food or this type of dog toy, and you want to be incentivized to continue to consume in that way, or at least recognized for your consumption cycles or, or, or behavior. And exactly. there are niches, maybe infinite, which capture that, especially with the thousands of folks that you work with as part of Rakuten. So I'm curious now, there must be then by definition, maybe not infinite, but certainly maybe probably millions of stories and moments that folks that use Rakuten have every single day with their routine purchases, with their one-off purchases, with purchases that get them extra cash back, whatever it may be. And I, again, understanding that you're quite at the beginning of this tenure, I'm curious in the ways, and maybe relying on experience to date, how you tend to tap into that and amplify that so that maybe it's saying Rakuten is solving your problem, but don't just listen to, to me, the big old brand, listen to, well, listen to Dana. Dana bought dog food and got rewarded for it and then continued to get rewarded for it. Maybe even got extra rewards because she kept on doing it. You could have a story like that with your, That's know, right. something else. And that more credible, right? Then within Rakuten telling you what an incredible experience this is, how you can save money, what it feels like to save money. Right. Well, fine. And we need to do that too. Wouldn't it be better if your neighbor, Carol, or your friend, Stacy said, you will never believe this. I just bought X amount of furniture and I received X amount back. And then they turn their phone around to show you the Rakuten app and they show you their cash back um, bank, basically. Right. And you see how much money is in there from just their normal, regular purchases. So that's the amazing part is you are buying these things anyway. And, and by the way, in this COVID time period, obviously so much is happening online. We are, we are transacting more online than ever before. And so when you're doing that anyway, whether it's your groceries or your, you know, plane tickets or, you know, a better office setup, or you've gotten a new puppy and need dog, dog toys and such, you are buying these things anyway. Why wouldn't you want a percentage of those purchases as cash back that you can, that can be tremendously meaningful. And I, I really believe the next step for us in the I love cash back concept is not just the concept of I love cash back. It's how that cash back can be meaningful. Are you saving for something special? 
Are you, you know, this is my credit karma hat on is, are you putting it into a savings account and using it for an emergency rainy day fund? You know, you know, there is something bigger and more meaningful here behind the concept of I love cash back. And so, yeah, it is so powerful when your neighbor says it or your sister says it in a way that the brand itself can't possibly be as credible or using your favorite word authentic. Right. Exactly. I was just I was just going to say that I, I have uh, historically said or presumed that uh, the voice of peers or people closest to you is truly a brand's most credible source of, well, authentic influence. And that's where the title came from. But that is excellent to hear you say, because you are now the steward of such an enormous way for people to be doing this, um, that it, it just it just means well for, uh, for what Rakuten brings uh, to market, what they will bring to market, which I guess leads me to... Um, starting starting to get to the round out and again a new round out here what are you most excited for now because so now you're you're, you're a couple weeks in here right you got a long journey at Rakuten ahead you've got all these things that you're pulling from past experiences you've got these pretty uh set uh mindsets about how to use the capital i and the lowercase i and, and what that means for Rakuten and, and how much power that brings what can't you wait to sink your teeth into or, or maybe sink your teeth into more now that you're at the helm here yeah. So I, you know, I'll answer that in two ways. One, I just, I really find this brand and the meaning of this brand to be so extraordinary. And so, you know, I, I think we've barely scratched the surface. We have, you know, 13, 14 million members. I think we can, there's just so many more people to inspire and, you know, more importantly, so many more people to help so many more people we can show uh, how meaningful that cash back can be. And, you know, they just don't know yet. So uh, answering your question, what I'm most excited about is working with our team to tell a new story for Rakuten and help people understand the meaning behind that word. They may have heard the word, but maybe they don't know what it means or how meaningful it can be for them in terms of the savings and the cash back. And I'm mostly excited to get going on a new story for Rakuten um, and, you know, with that, probably I'm even more excited about building uh, and creating a team to go get after this very audacious goal um, to change the story for Rakuten. I am a leader, a people leader first and foremost, and I feel very strongly about building amazing teams and, you know, bringing people um, from my past life, meeting new people who are already there and and mentoring and developing and managing them. and you know, surrounding myself with super smart people and hiring experts old and new um, on how to go tell this new story. And so the team itself is um, equally important as the work. Hmm. That's really powerful stuff. I can't wait to see how Rakuten flourishes using that. And well, old habits die hard here. What I am going to do is ask if you have any parting words of advice that maybe we didn't cover something that clicked in your mind when we were talking about this stuff, because there's just so much to learn here and it's it's regrettable that we really are only doing this for like, you know, half an hour ish because oh, oh, probably took your brain even longer, but I'm curious. Oh, that was so fast. Um, praying words, you know, I, you know, I love the, the concept of authenticity. I, you know, obviously I've been thinking about it for a couple of days around the differences and similarities of being authentic to yourself versus being authentic as a brand and how those things are interconnected and, you know, one, you know, this will not surprise you. I've been 
sort of obsessed with, speaking of another author I really love, I've been obsessed with Brene Brown. I'm sure, Adam, that you have read. Dare to Lead and, and, and yeah. Exactly. And, you know, um, you know, she talks about authenticity. She uses, she uses a different word, though. And you'll see it's not exactly the same, but she talks about vulnerability and she talks about courage. And to me, that is just another way of talking about authenticity to yourself and to your company and to your team. And so, you know, one of the things that I love about mentoring and managing and developing is teaching people that it is okay to be vulnerable, to be authentic to yourself, to say how you feel, to show what you're struggling with, to show you've made a mistake, to say you've made a mistake. And actually, amazingly and ironically, during this Zoom life that we are all living right now, you know, everything is being seen as authentic, as real. Every executive, the kids are coming in, the dog is coming in, the cat is coming in, the computer freezes. All of this is causing all of us to be vulnerable, to show a, a different side of ourselves. Again, back to the authentic person that you are. You're not just, you know, the executive on the 10th floor of the building. You're a real person with a family with real work-life balance struggles. Things don't look rosy and perfect because life isn't rosy and perfect. And you just have to be kind of authentic and own that. And I think that's true as a person. I think it's true as a leader and it's true as a brand. You just have to put out there what is real and not try to fake or show or sell. It just who you are as a leader and who your company is as a brand, you have to be authentic. Otherwise it will not work. And Brene Brown and her concepts around courage and vulnerability hit right on the bullseye of this authenticity that I just love. Yeah. That vulnerability is a great way to put it. And it's, you know, it, I was, I think some people may think that it might come off hard, come off hard to be authentic, but really if you strip it down, it's sort of like you can't help but be it if you are being you, you know, if it's in you, it's what you present sort of like if it's in the game, it's in the game. Like that is just what it is. Anyway, I'm thankful for that parting piece of advice. I'm really thankful for learning uh, and helping, helping to uh, explore that uppercase I, lowercase I. I'm really thankful that you helped me flip-flop the order of what I normally do here because I think that actually set things up particularly well. And I, uh, so now I need to go back and I need to do two things. Listeners, I need you to do two things, maybe three if you haven't heard the third. Um, you got to go see what your journey can be on Rakuten. First of all, you got to do that right? Because you might not know that you could be getting crazy cash back on things. So that's number one. Number two and three are these books. Go, go read them. Dare, Dare to Lead or anything by Brenny Brown and then Radical Candor, which is on my list now. And um, you can thank Dana for that as I'm about to right now. Dana, it was such a pleasure to have you on the show and to talk to somebody so like-minded, um, I think as well as Refreshing. Doesn't always happen here. Doesn't always happen to me, but I can personally say it now. You know, I, I think, um, I just think your perspective is wonderful and I'm so appreciative for the time and can't wait to see what Rakuten does. And now I'll leave you. But thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. It was a treat. Thank you so much. I just loved our conversation. It went too fast. So I'd love to do it again. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you so much to Dana Marino from Rakuten Rewards for joining today's show. As I said at the top, I, I think your philosophies and perspectives align really, really closely with what the spirit of authentic influence is. So that was just a treat. Thank you, truly. If you enjoyed this show, if you liked the flip-flop, but if you like the show generally, here's what you can do. First off, you can listen to a whole bunch more content like this. Go here. 
podcast.vavoom.co. About 120 episodes digesting the perspectives of some of the most well-known global brands and their leaders on these topics. I'm also on LinkedIn, by the way, my personal page, Adam Connor, as well as the showcase page for the show, Authentic Influence Podcast. Go and join our community there. It'll be a pleasure to have you. And it's also the best way to tell me what you'd recommend for the future, either with regard to questions or topics or order of operations or guests. I'll take everything you have. Right now, though, I got to skedaddle because I got to put another one of these shows together just for you about another organization mobilizing its masses to become more authentic each and every day. And until I come back to you for Authentic Influence, I've been your host, Adam Connor, and you'll hear from me again next time. <laughs>